prayer and much intercession. And there's some exciting things. And this is not a time, if, if you consider yourself a child of God, it's not a time to sit idly by and wonder, you know, what's going on and hoping, you know, that you're okay. It's a time, that's what, it's a time to search yourself, to examine yourself, to say, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? Lord, search my heart and try me, test me. See. Right. That's exactly right. And he will judge the quick and the dead. The quick meaning those who are alive and those who are alive in the faith and then those who are dead in the ground or in the water or wherever they're dead and those who are dead in their spirit. The quick and the dead. So as we look today, we are going to continue our, our idea of working inside of rest because the covenant of rest that we have is the covenant that we have with Christ. We are all working in rest. We're not called not to work. Many people say, oh, I don't work because work is of the law. Well, if you're working to rest, working to earn something, then you're never actually going to get there. And that's just not possible because you're working from a faulty system. But when you're working from rest, you're working from the fact that Christ is already 100% percent covered everything by the cross and from there we see that the working out just what I said I mean if if the if, if it's not the gospel's not working out of you then it's not the gospel it's religion I mean that's just a fact we can argue it and I know a lot of people it's it's really popular today reform theology has come along and I'm, I'm thankful for Martin Luther I mean what he busted out of when he nailed those 91 theses on the on the door of the chapel on October 31st 15 something was it 15 15 16 perhaps I mean he, he had done something he had done something he broke out of a system that that cost him so much but I think that going back, I mean, how many of you would, would say that the, that that origin of that revelation was the deepest part? I don't think it was. It was just the beginning. It was just a seed. And so a lot of people nowadays are going back to a reformed theology type of mentality where they are looking, and I've, I love reformed theology. I really do. I mean, I mean, one of my favorite books that I've ever read was the, was the morrow of modern divinity. Loved it. I, I mean, you're probably not going to read it. If you do, that's great. But it is about Reformed theology. I learned so much about the law and about grace, and, but I have to put it in the context of my knowledge of today. And I mean, these people who are writing this, they're not baptizing the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I mean, I've got an experience that they're not writing from, so I read it, and I, and I understand that, and I try to put it in the context, and, I, and I, I read it prayerfully with the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, help me and show me. Let me glean what I can, but don't get me get twisted and bogged down in and, and doctrine and so forth. And with, if, with the Reformed theology, and in there you find a, a term that's, you know, called forensic righteousness. Forensic righteousness is just, just, just declared. You know, you're just declared righteous. Elaine, you're just God and his he's the judge and the supreme ruler of the whole world and he just declares you righteous. It's kind of like, if we believe it that way, and we are declared righteous, right? But we're not only declared righteous, are we? We're made righteous. So with the declaration comes an efficacious work 
He said, I, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To all who believe him, to all who receive his name, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. So it's not just a declaration of righteousness. The declaration alone would not be enough. It would be tantamount to if, if a brother came before you, as James said, and he was, he was naked and destitute, and you said, be warm and filled, and sent them on their way. On their way. Well, he says that's faith without works in the same way. What if God just declared you righteous, but he did nothing to fix your, your broken soul, your bruised heart, your wounds, your internal wounds. What if he just said, oh, you're good as new. And you went limping away, waiting for a heaven to acquire that. That is the idea of forensic righteousness, just declared only. Imputed righteousness. I would submit to you our righteousness is not only imputed, it is imparted. And an imparted righteousness comes forth as a seed sown as we are grafted into the branch. And the branch does nothing but just abide in the sap that is drawn from the root that is connected to the seed which is born from the nature pulls through the root and the branch to the fruit. And the fruit is born by virtue of the, new, of the nature of the vine, not the nature of the branch. The branch is bearing the fruit by virtue of the nature of the vine. I just abide. I can't help but be holy. I don't need your rules to make me holy. I have the Holy Ghost, and he makes me holy. Now, see, this is where I want to challenge. I want to push back against a religion that says, you know, you don't have to quit anything or do anything. God just looks at you. He just, you just, he... That makes the cross the greatest scam and divine cover-up. That would be Jesus working against his father to play a big, I just, look, that the, God would be winking at sin. Just put a big veil over the Lord's eyes and he can go happy-go-lucky and go, well, they look good to me. They're still living in immorality and sin and lawlessness and debauchery and sorcery and hatred and jealousy and contempt. But the Lord says, looks good to me. How many of you would want that? Many of you do because you live it. I mean, because that's what we think. Well, I'm just, my name's in the book and one day... I will, this lust will not be present because I will have my name is written in the book and when I get to heaven, I'll be all good. See, that's not how it works. God has given us something more and it's a transformed life, a life that emits power and praise. It's righteousness. What is the kingdom of God? You know it. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness begets peace. Did you know that? When you're right with God, what do you have? Peace, baby. And then peace begets what? When you're righteous with God, right before God, and you've got peace, I'm right. What, what does that bring about? Joy, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. 
See, that's what we're living. That's working inside of rest, not something that has to be strummed up or pumped up or, or pretended. Oh, for God's sake, don't pretend. I would rather, I would rather, if you're a cusser, cuss in here. We all want to hear it. Oh, but you won't. You'll apologize. Because you're, let, see, that shows me the stream is backed up, and you've chosen to not clean the stream, but decorate it. Reminds me of a story. Uncle Buddy, he was, a, he was an evangelist, and Uncle Buddy had a stutter. A stutter, stutter, stutter. Not making fun of stutters, y'all. My son-in-law is one. I make fun of him all the time. Not as bad as Lainey. Mike Johnson will stutter, and she'll go, spit it out, Junior. Isn't that terrible? She says it helps him. Tough love. Come on, spit it out. You know, that way it's not, a, it's not a big deal. You know, we just make it aware. But anyway, Uncle Buddy was an evangelist, and he was also, a, he, had a, he had a deep stutter. And so they were doing a tent crusade one night, and there were these drunks that came by, and they had rotten eggs. And as he was, as he was preaching, him and a deacon from the church were up on the platform, and they began launching these rotten eggs. And they hit them. Have you ever been, you ever smelled a rotten egg? Woo! It's bad. I mean, they'll just explode. And so it hit with rotten eggs, and it's, the stench was horrendous. And when they started throwing rotten eggs, Buddy started praising and shouting. Uncle Buddy, the evangelist, he started dancing. He got happy, and the Lord, the Holy Ghost hit him, and the deacon started cussing. Cussing. I mean mad and cussing. And after it was all over, they gotten cleaned up. The deacon was feeling a little bad about himself. He said, Uncle Buddy, why was it when you got hit with the eggs, you praised, and when I got hit with the eggs, I cussed. And Uncle Buddy said, well, 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 if the p -p -p praise is in you, when the d -d devil hits you, the praise will come out of you. He said, but if the cusses is, is in you, when the devil hits you, the cuss is going to come out of you. So whatever's in you, when circumstance hits you, is what's going to come out of you. Now, I don't believe it's always the devil hitting you. Sometimes I think the Lord lets you see what's in you. So you can say, you know what? That's ugly. So, but working from inside rest is knowing that he is to totally, the totality of everything has been accomplished. Let's read Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Oh, I gotta get my phone. This is one I want. Yep. Okay, Colossians 1, 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He has rescued us. Rescued. Now, I want to I read you a little story I wrote. I mean, don't judge my writing. It's just for content. Okay. There was, once upon a time, there was a man. Imagine, 
him. He is marooned on a, on a deserted island. He's wasting away. He's lonely and searching the horizon for help. One day, a ship makes a discovery of this man's plight. Elated, the man dances. He jumps up and down on the beach. Finally, a rescue has come. Hope had arrived. His wasting, lonely life was restored. The captain of the vessel approaches the man in great excitement for his great discovery of human life. Saved, restored. This man is rescued. Happily, the castaway says, oh, I'm so glad I've been found. So happy is this day of salvation to me. This changes so much of my future. The captain exclaims, sir, let me help you on the vessel. Yes, 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 here. here here's, here's my driver's license. It's expired, but I've kept it safe for many years, hoping to be saved. Here, take it. Take it all. Take it with you. And I truly thank you, sir, and trust you for the safekeeping. Have a good day, and thank you for the rescue. The captain says, you're welcome, sir. He tipped his hat and sailed away, both men delighted at the good deed they had done. What's wrong with that story? He wasn't rescued at all, was he? His identity, the, I mean, come on, his identity, he's safe, he's safe with somewhere in the future. How many people live their Christian existence that way? <laughs> I'm going to, did you, I, when I was 12, I gave my driver's license to the Lord. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Let's put, I gave my birth certificate to him. He owns it in safekeeping. He's got it in a safe in heaven. And one day I'll go get my mansion. In the meantime, I'll live in my filth and debauchery, my hopelessness and my shame. I'll continue on my deserted island, marooned and forever existing in this plight. And the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. This is how... This is, this is what I see evidence before my eyes all the time. We close, we, we, we pull our <clears throat> victim mentality tightly around us, <clears throat> using it as an excuse to live lives that are less than the gospel presentation, or we do other really, 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 really spiritual stuff. We throw up spiritual smoke screens, hearing from God all the time about everybody else, but never actually hearing, about God, hearing from God about ourselves. That one I like. Yeah, it's my favorite. We, we've, we so make the, the rescue something uber spiritual, but it has no practical import into one's life. I've told you, it, it touches every area. When my dad was saved, our house was in filth. Rats infested our house. Not just my rats. When it rained, water poured in. A five-gallon bucket would fill up in seconds, and we poured it out. Why? 
My dad was a sinner, and he only cared about himself. He, in our, in our, all of our life, he wasn't just an alcoholic, a drug addict, an abuser. He wasn't all of those things, just an adulterer. He was, it, it impacted everything. Sin, well, it's like a cancer. It won't just, how many of you would say, well, it's just a cancer, you know, on my big toe. I'm happy to leave it there. It will invade, it will metastasize to every scene, whatever. It, what, she got it, she knows. It'll get a hold of everything in your life and it will pull you down to the gates of death. Right? So when my dad got saved, it wasn't just some solical salvation where he gave a guy his driver's license and he was set for heaven. The next thing I know... He's ripping up carpets in the house, refinishing hardwood floors, painting walls, mowing the yard, landscaping, putting a roof on the house. Why? Because he got saved. Started cleaning up the crap. Salvation is not just something for your heart. It's something for your whole life. It, it, it will invade every part of you. And we have to ask ourselves the question, if it hasn't, if I won't let it, what's going on? He gives you power to become the sons of God. He gives you power to be successful in your work. He gives you power to be successful in your finances. Many, many a preacher has been successful spiritually, but sucked financially. I'm not kidding. He gives us power. I didn't say it's easy. But it's present to work with us. That's rescue. That's how we work from within rest. We want to be people not just of a faith that's not practical, dear God. If your faith is not practical, you won't provide for your family and you live in squalor and you call that faith? I call that hell. Is that too strong? See, that's where faith takes us. That's what rescue looks like. Before you raise the dead, raise yourself. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Right? No message could have been any clearer if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and then make a chair there you go y'all know it I, I can't because we don't know what rescue is do we why don't we want to be rescued to rest why don't we want to be rescued any ideas self it's a lot of work, isn't it? And so, what is it? So it's not a lot of work, is it? It's a different kind of work, isn't it? 
So being rescued, see, we, we have this idea that our rescue is going to be, um, that we are going to be inactive in our rescue. What would I do without my excuses, John? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> I saw a hand over here, yes. I do. We, I think that we have a cool lingo. See, I think that's lingo. If we don't understand it, it's lingo only, right? No, I'm not saying you've got to change your life. I'm not saying you've got to change your life. I'm saying God's, you've got to submit, you've got to completely surrender your life to the full change agent, which would be to all who receive him, to all who believe his name, to them he gave the what? To become the sons of God. So, where did I get my flesh? Pray tell. My mom and daddy. Oh yeah, I got my... You know what flesh is? A little watchman knee for you. You know what your flesh is? It is where... It is where... Um, what is it, Mike? I forgot it. Where your body... It's, and your soul come together without your spirit. Just your body and, you know, it's like, that's your flesh. And so here, something else that's awesome is that your flesh has two parts to it. It has unrighteousness, which we're good at. Name them. Name me some unrighteousness. Lust. Anger. Drugs. So revelry, which we'll put it in biblical terms, but I like that too, though. Just self-medicating, right? What else? Greed. What? Gluttony. Pride. Debauchery. Adultery. Fornication. Drunkenness. Lasciviousness. Witchcraft. Sorceries. Variance. Hatred. Jealousy. Wrath. Envy. Unbelief. Okay, we all got those down, right? That's called unrighteousness. That's the side of your flesh that's unrighteous. Have you ever seen anybody unrighteous? Have you ever been unrighteous? No. Of course not. But here's the side of your flesh here. See, we teach that one well. Here's the side of your flesh that you're going to have trouble with. Unrighteousness and self-righteousness. Well, I never... So we, we put on, we pretend to be righteous through, what kind of things do we use to pretend to be righteous? Religion, works. Yeah. We, 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 we esteem ourselves. We won't serve. We don't, you know. We, and we say that things like labor are, are not, you know, that's not of God. You like to labor to be seen. We like spotlight labor, don't we? You know, that's a good one. So here we have, see, self has, and see, so many people only are rescued, their version of rescue is into self-righteousness, not into true righteousness, which is the abandonment of self. That's the exchange life. 
You gotta get, you're going to have to die in order for Christ to live in you. That you don't have to know him in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings. See, the cross is a finished work that has everyday application to your life. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross. How often? Daily. It's a finished work, no doubt. We say finished, period, full stop, done. Finished, historically, done, 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 done. But the application of the cross is something that's present with me daily. Of me dying to self and saying, Lord, I want to rise to you. Lord, I don't want there to be anything in me that is not of you. God, not a work unto righteousness. But Lord God, but a power unto life. I want the fruit to be born from the root that comes from the seed. I want life to flow from me that impacts every area of my life. Practically, spiritually, for everything. Physically, God, this body is yours and you do with it as you please. Is that okay? Yes. Of? Um, I start here. I start, okay, so. Okay, so, so Mike comes in and asks you to do something that you absolutely do not want, want to do. And the first response is not. Oh, see, see you're, you're putting me in positions that we don't, we don't, we don't live. See, it's hard for me to put that on. Hypo, I know, a hypothetical. Yeah. Okay, okay, Mike, you come in, you ask me to do something I don't want to do. He respects me enough, number one, to listen to me. If I don't want to do it, he's going to say, there's a reason she don't want to do it, because I trust her emphatically, right? I'm going to say, no, because he trusts me emphatically. If he asks me to do something, see, I don't, I don't understand the question how I can put myself in a place of, of that hypothetical when, when the totality of my life is not, does not emanate from there. I, I don't, see, that's hard for me. That's hard for me to say what would I do. So if he were, if he were a sinner, and he... Mike, would I dig in the septic with you if I had to? See, that... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got one. I'll give you a personal example from my past. I was raised in a, in a raging, violent home, right? If you're raised in a raging, violent home, oftentimes it leads to raging and violent behavior. Would you all agree with that? It doesn't always. It doesn't always. Mike was raised in a raging and violent home, but in him it led to a total stepping back and a quietness, a withdrawing. So see, it, it impacts people different ways. You all have to see the same thing. Well, with me, I'm a fighter, so my personality is to fight. With him, he's more of a pacifist, so his personality is to draw back, right? Well, when I got, when I was, we were young in the Lord, and I was, I mean, I don't even think, maybe I'd had Laney. She was an itty-bitty baby. 
My method of dealing with anything that I didn't like was to rage. It was automatic rage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, I was, I was mad about something and I reached over and I grabbed the curtains and I pulled them off the wall. Now, how stupid is that? I was like, angry! Like the Incredible Hulk had nothing on me. Okay, in that instance, you know what the Lord said? See, I'm an exchange, here's how an exchange life works. The Lord said, that was wrong behavior and does not glorify me just like that. And I went, Lord, I'm sorry. Stop it and do not do it again. I repent, Lord. Forgive me. I see how wrong and stupid and carnal and how it impacted my home, a home I'm building, I'm tearing down with my own hands. All of that in a flash was downloaded to me. And I put the curtains on the wall in repentance. And I said, God, I will never, with your help, do that again. And anger was broken. He gave me the power to become the Son of God. See, that's how, daily, that's the daily application of the cross in my life. It's not that you're perfect, it's that you're willing to put down whatever in you that is not like Jesus and not make excuses for it because you've claimed some version of salvation that only rescues you in legality, but not in practicality, that you are legally written in the Lamb's book of life, but it actually has no import or impact or actually any real value to a life that you live. You know, your children wouldn't, ex what if I'd maintain that rage? I'd have raised, I would have raised raging children. And I thank God, see, in his wrath against that rage, I felt his wrath instantly against that rage, instantly. And you know what I did with it? I repented. See, his wrath is aimed at, aimed at everything that interferes with his love. He aimed that wrath. He aimed his wrath at that, my wrath. And he said, stop. And it was just like that. You know what I'm talking, have your Lord ever whipped you? It was, I, my, I was like, yes, sir. I'd never had a parent correct me that way. Righteousness. What followed after that? Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? And my life has been lived in that method for 30-something years of him training me. I have been in so many situations in my life where, where I mean, church people are beautiful when you're a pastor. Many times they are. Y'all all are. But sheep bite hurts. I do. Those sheep are meaner and biting sows. A lot of them are sows, just wearing sheep clothing, just hanging out with the sheep. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so then, you know, walking through that, that's the daily application of the cross in my life. I mean, how many times, how many, 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 many times have I watched him stand behind a pulpit and preach to a room full of people who absolutely hated him? 
and watch God just, I'm telling you, our first, pers- our ch- first church, we call it a crash course in crucifixion. I mean, they were, they were mean. I had a woman walk into my office in the very first, and she said, do not take this pastorate, or it will be hell on earth for you. Yeah, this is real life. And I take the cross and I apply it there. And you know what I do? I say, well, I'll, she said, you're not old enough to be the pastor. I said, well, ma'am, we serve a very old God. In fact, he's called the Ancient of Days. And we sat in that church, and people would, they would, they would rip us to shreds. It was horrendous. I mean, it's not gossip. You know, it's gossip when it's behind your back. It's just malicious when it's to your face. I was sitting in that church on one Sunday morning with, you know, Lainey's a three-year-old at this point, and Hannah's a little bitty baby. And I'm holding her. And I'm a whopping 25 And he's preaching, and he's at the song service, and that, that witch, just call her what she was. She's on, the, she's on the piano, her husband is leading the songs, and she's at war with the organist, because they won't daily apply the cross to their life. It's my job to. I would love for them to, but they won't daily apply the cross to their life, so I'm standing there, and behind me there's a couple, they're arguing, husband and wife, they are arguing. I mean, argue, this is your worship service. Well, you said, and you, and I'm so on. And I'm watching the warring of the pianist and the organ. Y'all think I'm joking. One's playing louder, and she's over there pumping that organ. And her husband's sitting there singing, on a hill far away. That's how it sounded. It was God-awful. I'm not kidding. I was there, 25, and I said, I ducked my head, and I said, God. This is all sincerity. I said, either move in this place or kill me now. And I meant it. I've not prayed that prayer again because I, sometimes I think God might choose B. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to tempt the Lord. My heart, he knew. I was, that, I was to that place of either. I was willing to die because ministry was horrendous with people who only wanted to walk in religious garb and actually not apply the cross to any area of their life, but to constantly demand that the preacher walk in a way that they would never be willing to. And I stood there, a 25-year-old woman with two small girls, and I said, God, I mean it. I do not want to live this way. If you, God, either show me that you can move in here or just let me drop dead now. And my faith was for one or the other. And I'm not, you remember the Sunday, don't you? During this war going on on the platform, droning on about the old rugged cross, a woman in the back of the church begins to wail. A saint in the church, I mean, one of the pillars of the church, she doubles over under the power of God. And I go, I mean, you can feel, it starts moving like God walked in the back of the room. It starts moving through the crowd. The woman on the piano can't sit on the piano any longer. She falls down and gets 
under the piano in a tight ball wailing. The organist is down on her knees and the song leader is laying. All this happened just like that. The song leader is laying on the platform convulsing. And the couple behind me stopped arguing too. You know what I said? I went, that's good, God, thank you. Yeah, like like lost all life. That is the God we serve. That is what I'm asking for in this house. I'm asking for anything that you have in your life that's not godly, that you have not yielded to the cross, to be exposed and removed. What this will mean is we will have both riot and revival. But the day is too far spent. The hour has gone too far. I believe God is going to shake the nations, as Haggai said, and they're going to come to his church. Another prophecy said they will come to the brightness of his rising. But the Bible also says that judgment must start where? With the house of God. And I'm not asking for a God, I'm not asking for smite thee, oh, smite me, oh, smiter. Understand. If you think that's my language, that's not my language. My language is God. Search me. And try me. See if there be any wickedness in me. Let me not hold on to things that push you away. Deal with every area of my life with your wrath that does not attract your love. And with that, as we're in this period of time, called the days of awe. We have to understand that we've been rescued to work from rest, not to work to rest. But in that context, there is a work to be done, and there's a power by which to do the work effectively and powerfully and joyfully. But it's not a work that is going to excuse the other areas of our life and shroud them in so-called spirituality. He wants to deal with us from the inside out. He wants to deal with our hypocrisy. He wants to deal with the specks in our eye and the beams in our eye. He wants us to stand before him wholly exposed and vulnerable to his awe-inspiring love and grace. Grace wants to roll up, its, roll up its sleeves in your life and get to work. Grace does not change the nature of sin. It changes the nature of man. I believe in the Word of God 
I don't claim perfection, but he is perfecting that which concerns me. I wholly, Lord, open my ear to your corrective voice. Lord, in any area of my life that's practical, physical, or spiritual, God, I ask for your correction. God, don't let me stand before people as a mouth only, hiding behind some religious performance or some talent. I mean, I may have a talent for public speaking, but what good would that be? What good would that be if it were not anchored in the character of Christ? I want everything that comes from my life to be not my life, but be his. See, that is a life that is hidden in the cross. That is a life of rescue. That has been rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. The life I have exchanged is, is, <clears throat> is entirely and completely insubordinate to the life that he has given me. It is, it is what is the word I'm looking for? It's inferior in every single way. So why would I want to claim on to, hold on to any of my rags? What, what good is my talent without his character? And you know what? If he so desires to set me aside for his glory, then that's for his glory. And I'm not trying to be a martyr here. I want to... Forget the things that are behind and press on to the mark and the prize of the upward calling of Christ Jesus. We have for too long wanted a gospel that glorified self. We have wanted somehow to hang on to the old wineskin. I've told you the illustration before. Imagine that I came in here today and I had on a pair of overalls and they're worn and tattered. They've got holes in paint. I've been working in them for 400 years. And that's what they look like. <clears throat> Imagine if I came in here today and then I said, before we get started today, I need to do some repairs to my overalls. And I reached into a bag and I got out a giant pair of scissors and I pulled out a brand new pair of overalls. And I said, I'm going to patch my old overalls. I'm going to cover some of the paint stains. And I began cutting away at the new overalls to attach them to my old. What would y'all say? Why? Just put the new ones on. What are you doing? You're destroying, you're trying to destroy the new to prepare the old. The old are already destroyed. Wouldn't you say that? That's what we do all the time. We try to, we try to retain self and we try to pull in <clears throat> the things of God, the, the, the promises of God. They are yea and amen, but they won't apply to yourself and to your flesh. See, we can't patch up. We can't patch up the old garment of the flesh with the covenant of promise. We can't do it. One has to be completely eliminated and eradicated and wholly and solely enter into the new. And we have to give God license in our life to totally and completely deal with anything in our life that's not pleasing to him. Bitterness. I'm telling you, that is the hard, unforgiveness is the hardest thing in the world to get over. Maybe not for you. I don't know. It may be in your life, maybe lust. It may be something else. You see what I'm saying? In my life, unforgiveness is the hardest thing to get over. 
My personality is not a forgiving personality. There's some people that are. My personality is very black and white. Wrong's wrong and right is right. But do I get to hold on to my personality and say, that's the primary thing? I do not. I do not. I say, Lord, search me and try me. I release everything to you, Lord God. Rend from me the control of my life. God, I give everything to you in totality. I don't make myself an idol, Lord God. I give my life to you. Deal with me by your grace, your great, great, great grace. Does that make sense? I'm not looking for a religious experience that colors over the sin. I'm not looking for a religious experience that is a quasi-transformative power in my life. I am looking for the total life of Christ to be evident in me. And I look for it in you as well. I can't give you some dialed-down version. I can't. It won't do. And if, if someone wants that, then I'm not the person for the job. I'm not here to sermonize. I'm not here to give you some positive speech. I'm not here to help your self-image. I'm not here to make you a, the best version of yourself or to help you live your best life now. I hope you do live your best life now, but not by some psycho babble dribble that comes forth from my lips in some self-help program that wants to stroke your ego and make you a maniac. A over-spiritualized maniac that has absolutely no practical impact. If my dad, when he was delivered from drugs and alcohol and everything else, if it had not impacted how we lived, what would I have thought? It's just something else. Some other cover-up. I would say now he's weirder than he was before. But it wasn't. It was a transformation that made me realize from a child that grace is the most powerful force on earth. That grace will do in the life of a human being what no amount of cathartic release through drugs and alcohol, no amount of counseling, get counseling. It's got to go deeper. No amount of self-help or improvement can do. You can't educate it out of a person. And you can't educate righteousness into a person. Nicodemus, don't you know, you've got to be born again. You need a life of the Spirit in you that will transform your solical nature and that solical nature will inform your body I mean you can live 
so liberated from sin that you're no longer tempted in ways that you that are normative to you. Do y'all believe that? You can. That's that's what the power. That's the power. It's the power. It's not he he takes an adulterer and he paints them over. <clears throat> And they're still just an adulterer, adulterer underneath the paint. All you got to do, wait, that's what religion does. And you get very close to them and you go, yep, still nasty. <laughs> I've been in church a long time. It happens all the time. You know? God has made us, Peter says, we are a peculiar people. Peculiar does not mean weird. It is the Greek word peripoiesis. It means <clears throat> special and precious. <clears throat> you are special and precious enough that the Lord will not leave you in a vat of sin and degradation. He will deal with everything in your life that is incongruent to the law of Christ. And I'm so thankful that he does because that is indeed rescue. It's not some quasi-rescue where we all jump around because a man gave a captain of a vessel his driver's license and left him marooned on the island to starve to death. If it didn't change me, it wasn't good news. It was false news. And that's what we search ourselves for today. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying it'll just come in one fell swoop and you'll be GTG, good to go. <clears throat> it will be a crushing that sometimes takes a lifetime. The Lord will take you and he will see things in you and he will put you in a circumstance, a new cauldron a new smelting pot. And that one will be strong enough for this level of fire he's going to give you. And he will turn up the heat and he will melt you down. And there are things in you that you didn't know were there. And he will look over as the heat will begin to reveal them. And he will wipe them away with his hands as a refiner of gold. And he will do that throughout your life until one day he looks over and he sees his reflection. Because ultimately that is what the gospel is about. It's not about getting us to heaven when we die. It is about sons and daughters of God bearing the image of their father. It's about the world saying, who's your daddy? Because you must have come from some good progenitors. You're beautiful beyond compare. You say, oh, that's Jesus. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I've been through so many furnaces I can't tell you. You ask the question of the hypothetical. It's so hard. It's so hard to do that only because I, 
I, I don't I don't even remember some of the furnaces without the Lord reminding me. Absolutely. It's all the process. It's not something I just happened to me one time. It is constant. And the, Lord, and the Lord does that. He puts things in front of me to show me me. He puts different mirrors of circumstance. And I see my response to the circumstance. Yes. Yes. Mm hmm. There you go. You applied the cross. Where maybe you fit. What you did is you applied the cross in a way that had not been applied before. Because before you didn't apply the cross, you applied yourself. I'm not just saying that about you. How many of us have all applied, we have the choice to apply the cross or apply ourselves? If it's cuss and fit, it's not the cross. <laughs> it's a, I mean, I'm just being real, right? I'm not asking you for some trumped up. We got to go, y'all. Yes. And you couldn't believe it. You see, that's the that right there. That's what I'm talking about. It surprised you. That's what. That's what I'm talking about.